Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Talking City podcast here by the Manchester Evening News. I am your host today, Ash Barami, and I am pleased to be joined by Stu Brennan. Hello there. Only pleased, not excited or thrilled. Delighted. Delighted. Delighted to the worst. I'll stick with pleased. And uh, <laughs> Simon Bykowski. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a couple of weeks since we were last here, uh, since we last done a podcast. I mean, I was actually just writing a list of notes down on all the transfer targets and speculation and the list of players I have. I think we're saying the exact same thing about them two weeks ago as we probably are going to now but I mean Stu I mean where to start I mean there's been the talk of Rodri Harry Maguire where does City stand when it comes to these two these two names that seem to be at the forefront of speculation yeah well undoubtedly they are the two the two main targets for the summer um, we know for a fact that they've only they're only planning for two incoming uh, any others will will rely on outgoings. You know, if Danilo goes, they'll get a new right back, uh, and so on. Um, and also, they are picking up Angelino. You know, that's ha- mm. that's that's about about to happen. Um, but Rodri is just a little further down the line. I mean, there was talk uh, yesterday that that uh, Omar Barada, who's who's the chief operating officer. Um, was going to be in in Madrid to 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 finish off the Rodri to to trigger the 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 clause because to do so you have to go to the I think it's headquarters of the Spanish FA uh, and actually activate the release clause. You know you have to sort of give notice and that's what actually activates it. Um, but Omar Brada was in Manchester yesterday, so that certainly hasn't happened. Um, but. I think it's only a matter of time, and I, and I don't. I think I think people who start putting deadlines on it and saying it's going to happen now, it's going to happen tomorrow, it's going to happen at the end of the week. I think they don't. What they don't seem to take into account is that I don't think City really know when it's going to happen. You know, things things move move slowly in transfers, and then all of a sudden they move quickly. You know, you're waiting for lawyers to go through it, you're waiting for agents to come back, you're waiting for all kinds of things. There's so so many factors in a in a modern transfer, um, and quite often the clubs don't really know. It's not like they can tell you, yeah, Rodri will be coming a week on Wednesday. It, sometimes it, it does work that way, but quite often. You have slow, 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 and then all of a sudden, uh, the logjam clears and the player comes in. So, uh, I mean, that's where we're at with Rodri. It, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if it suddenly it happened tomorrow. You wouldn't be surprised if we're still talking about it at the beginning of August mm. uh, because transfers they don't hit hitches. I don't think there'll be a hitch in terms of bringing him in, but they, they hit hitches. They can hit hitches in terms of the process of, you know, hitting a legal problem, hitting a financial problem, all kinds of little, little things that can change things. And I think that's why we are with Rodney. R- Rodney. Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rodney. That's not getting cut. Only fools and horses going on. Um, Harry Maguire, um, a little bit more vague on that one because uh, there's no, there's no definite uh, there's nothing definite that's, I, th- I think Rodri I think we can safely say City have got him in the bag although we said that about Jorginho last season of course and again that one that one changed right at the death um, when, when Chelsea came in and snatched him away but Harry Maguire um, there's you know United have got an interest um, it's worth saying as well in the last five minutes I just saw my phone 
before we done this that Leicester rejected a 70 million bid for Maguire. So, I mean, I think I read maybe a week ago that City were only willing to pay up to a certain amount, 60 million or so for Maguire. So, I mean, that could obviously, if 70 million has been rejected, that could pretty much rule out City. Yeah. They'll, they'll walk away. They did it with Maras. Uh, they did it with Sanchez. They did it with Fred. If you know, they they have their figure, and they're not in the same position as they were ten years ago, where they had to splash the money. They were desperate, really, and other clubs knew that. But these days, you know, they will walk away. They will go into the season without a centre back, rather than um, break the wage structure or break the what they're prepared to pay. Uh, pay a fee for uh, and you know the, the, it wouldn't be ideal obviously but you know there's already been talk about Fernandinho playing centre back next season uh, he, he could do that they've already got stones I mean we're not hearing a lot of noise around Otamendi's at the Copper America and focusing on that but uh, we, we don't you know he, he could well if he goes it could be a problem because then you're out of stones Laporte and arguably Fernandinho mm. um, and then a couple of youngsters who, who've got who are a possibility I think Fernandinho's fine as a fourth centre-back, isn't he? Yes. If Otamendi stays, yeah. you've got Fernandinho and you've got Eric Garcia and somebody else to yeah. be that sort of defensive unit. And I think City would rather have that than shell out for Maguire sort yeah. of above what they'd be willing to pay. But if Otamendi goes, I think you, the need is possibly urgent enough to spend more than yeah. they would so- like. Yeah, so out of Rodri and Maguire, you in terms of who'd be a more important sign, you think you'd edge towards Rodri being needed more? I think, I think they're both needed. Um, although it's funny because Fernandinho is possibly less valuable to the team than he was 12 months ago, just in the sense that Gundogan played so well in that role towards the second half of the season when Fernandinho struggled with injuries that the team could function without him whereas even up to Christmas last year it was like if Fernandinho doesn't play the team are goosed mm-hmm. um, but you you do need and I think bringing in cover or a successor for Fernandinho will give him more legs and more time in the team because um, he still does bring so much but I think they can maybe get away without a centre-back if Otamendi stays. Yeah, and one transfer that seems to be a done deal, Stu, is, is that Angelino. What is what is the plan with him? Because, I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago I saw that Arsenal PSG were linked with him. Then I think the City stuff came in that they were using the buyback clause to get him. What would you envisage as the plan for City with him? Well, a lot of people have talked about City bringing him back so they can sell him on. I think that was, you know, that's a tactic other clubs have used. I think Real Madrid have done it in the past, haven't they? Um, but from what I understand, that's simply not the case. I think they've brought him back to be a member of the squad. Uh, and when you look at what's going on, um, it makes solid sense. Because Benjamin Mendy has been, you know, he ended the season... He missed all the title celebration and everything else because he was in Barcelona having more work done on his knee. Um, he's got a big summer ahead of him in terms of rehab. Whether he'll be right for the start of the season, we we, we, we don't know. Uh, and neither does Pep, and he can't afford to take that risk. I mean, Zinchenko's done great. Um, but we saw Fabian Delft do great at left-back, and then the following season he fell away a bit. 
Whether Zinchenko will do the same, we don't know. I mean, City have put a lot of faith in him. They've given him a new contract. They've given him the number 11 shirt. Uh, and they've talked about him as being the first choice left back. Our sources at the club have talked about him as being the first choice left back now. And Mendy has to reclaim the place. Um, so going into the new season, they need they need cover for Zinchenko if Mendy isn't isn't right. Uh, and Angelino was a was a bit of a no brainer. Um, this they sold him for five million. Um, they get him back for depends who you listen to. City say a smidgen over five million. PSV are selling it to their fans as being ten million or ten and a half million. Um, so it depends who, who you believe really. Um, but it, it was a cheap way of getting a left back who was consistently voted in the top three players in, in the Dutch first division last season. Um, you know, he had, a, he had a really good season. He got Champions League experience playing for PSV. Um, he did well in the Champions League. He did well in the Eredivisie. Um, so they've got him back. And, uh, you know, they know him. They also know that he's schooled in the City style. We saw him playing. Me, myself and Simon have both seen him playing in the youth ranks playing as an inverted fullback, you know, in, in the Pep Guardiola style. He starts as a left back and end up going into the midfield and acting as a playmaker. You know, he's got the passing range to do that. So he's got all that ability. He's got good experience behind him now from a good season at PSV. And I expect by the time this podcast goes out that he will already have signed to be honest, it'll already all be announced. Yeah, interesting. And would you say to start the season at left back, if he does sign and he is in the city squad for next season, you'd still envision that Sinchenko will be the first choice left back going into the first day of the season? Well, yeah, unless, of course, Angelino comes in, goes on tour and absolutely smashes it in pre season training because mm. Pep takes a lot of puts a lot of store by what players do in training we saw that at the end of last season you know he, he brought players in simply brought Foden in for that Spurs game because of what he'd been doing in training he brought Maras in for similar reasons at the end of the season uh, so if Angelino comes in and smashes it out of the park in training well you know you wouldn't be surprised to see him lining up on the first day uh, but as it stands Zinchenko seems to be the first choice I mean of course Mendy Mendy could well come back get a good pre-season and then, then he's a he's the main man again you know if, if he if he performs in training so it's it's, it's difficult but you know City have now gone got a situation where if Mendy's fit they've got three good left backs yeah I think the fact that Zinchenko's got a new contract and number 11 shirt for this coming season means that you know they, they really have a lot of faith in him City tried to sell him two summers ago they were happy to let him go last summer and it was his decision rather than City's decision to stay at the club but he's he's come on so well in the last sort of six months that he, he's really seen as a valuable asset to the team not just the squad and when he wasn't playing at the back end of last season City missed him I know it, it's ifs buts and maybes but say Zinchenko starts the first leg of that Champions League quarter against Tottenham instead of Fabian Delph there's a whole number of different ways that game mm. could have gone yeah it's a good squad number as well Very I'm into squad, squad number. numbers in number 11 it's, <laughs> I think it's, it's it suits him it's, it's a what nice, any left footer wants yeah it's a nice reminder as well that he is an attacking midfielder that's that's what he, he was when he came to City that's what he plays for Ukraine um 
so they've got a player who can play left back, but he can play further forward. He, he's also playing the deeper midfield role for for Ukraine recently, I believe. Um, and I think I think the faith they've got in him now. I mean, he's so good on the ball, technically so good. I, I don't think Pep would hesitate in playing him in that in that David Silva role. You know, playing him in that role in be, in, be, in behind the front three. I think he's he's good enough to do that, and that that's that's what naturally he is as a, as a footballer. Um, and perhaps giving him the number eleven is a reminder. Well, you're playing left back now, but we see you as somebody who could play play further up. You know, play as a left sided attacking midfielder. Yeah. Kolov will be fouled. Well, it's his number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Mendy and Sane haven't always. Don't seem a natural fit together on the left, but Zinchenko ahead of Mendy would maybe be a more viable option, perhaps. There's certainly options, isn't there? Yeah. To rotate. Yeah. He's really, I mean, Guardiola loves Zinchenko more than anything because he's so good on the ball. And if you're good on the ball, you can play in a number of positions. Yeah. And another player that transfer talk seems to have stolen is Jao Cancelo from Juventus. Stu, what's the latest with that? Because I mean, we've read reports that he's agreed terms, just not agreed a fee. Then there's also talk about Danilo needing to be shifted as part of the deal. Where where does it stand at the moment? Yeah, it's simply that. I mean, the City went into the window. They wanted two players. They wanted a a centre-back and a defensive midfielder. And the the only other way they were going to, I mean, Angel, they've broken the, the pledge really because they brought in Angelino, but that was a bit of an opportunist move. But the only way they were going to bring anyone else in was if somebody left. So if Leroy Sane suddenly decided he wanted to go, uh, actually, they, they, they wouldn't have looked for a, a replacement for Sane. But obviously at right back, um, if Danilo, they've, they've given Danilo the option, said if you want to go, you can go, because um, he, he was a bit unhappy about not getting a lot of football last season. Um, so it's down to that. If Danilo goes, they'd want a, a good price for him, and they'd use that money to bring in another right back. And obviously, Cancelo is is um, is up up there, right at the top of the list. Um, and that that's why it is. I mean, there's no sign of Danilo moving out. And until that happens, until they're sure that they're going to move him out and get money for him, they ain't going to bring anybody in. So unless Danilo go, if Danilo stays, as it stays, it is. They don't they don't sign Cancelo or any other right back. Yeah, I noticed he got a Cal Walker got a five year contract the same time as all that talk was going on. Mm. So it made me think that if they did, even if they did get rid of Danilo, it's like almost like does Cal Walker still remain first choice if if say, Cancelo came in? It's funny because it's how kind, that work? kind of like they've had their heads turned a bit. Like Stu said, they weren't looking for a right back this summer. But if Danilo decided that he wants to leave them, then they would, you know, reluctantly find a replacement. And now this opportunity to sign Cancelo has come up. He doesn't look like he's going to be part of um, the Juventus squad under Maurizio Sarri. And it, it Cancelo seems like he will be able to put more pressure on Kyle Walker for that starting place. But they won't be signing him unless Danilo goes and there's no sign at the minute that he will be going so it's sort of they weren't looking to sign a player but it looks like an opportunity is there but there's no point signing him unless they can sell so it's sort of a bit uh, a bit of a situation they weren't expecting really but also there's kind of a lot of reports coming from Italy at the minute and it seems to be a lot that's not saying very much 
Um, it's like, oh, there's a there's an update on City, and they're not really updates, but sort of the the media landscape in Italy is that they have newspapers dedicated to sport, so they need to bring out sort of reports more often and cover smaller things that that may mean that even if the big picture hasn't changed, they might report a small change and that's, oh, there's a new update and there isn't, there's not much that's gone on because the situation has remained the same. Yeah, I heard Guardiola was going to Juventus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many times have we heard that? Yes. Fully expecting that next summer again to continue. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, I mean, we'll keep all the transfer speculation going. I mean, throughout, maybe we'll have a podcast later in the week where we'll have a probably couple of updates on them transfers. But we're going to go to a break now. And before we do, we've got our quiz question. Oh. It's two It's two questions, actually. But I think, I think both of you should get it. But I'll give one each. <laughs> one might be a bit easier than the other. I'll okay. say. So the question is, since Pep Guardiola, when Pep Guardiola joined in 2016... Who was the first player to join City and who was the first player to leave? We'll keep the answers and we'll come back after the short break. Hello and welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Before we left you, we give you the quiz question of who was the first player to join City and who was the first player to leave under Pep Guardiola. So who wants to take the easy one, which is I'm presuming. I'll take the easy one. Yeah. <laughs> the play, first player to arrive at City under Pep. I'm, I'm the man with an ageing memory, so I think I'm entitled to get these. Watch me get it wrong now. <laughs> After the big build-up. I'm going to say... Ilkay Gundogan. Ilkay Gundogan is correct. Yeah. He was the first signing. I don't know when it was. Maybe 1st of July or 10th of July. One yeah, it was pretty much done by like yeah. March, it felt like. so. I feel like the one who left might already have been leaving anywhere before he joined. Try calling back. Uwe Rossler, maybe. Um, could say he's a cult hero. Well, he probably is, yeah. Could say he's a cult hero. <laughs> I don't know if he, I think he might I don't think this one actually might even count that's tough because I don't I don't know what involvement Pep would even have had in this in this it might have already been concluded beforehand mm, that's tough because Zabaleta stayed for another year uh, you're on the right lines Kalishi stayed for another year Sanya stayed for another year <laughs> uh, was I on the right lines with fullbacks or cult heroes Along the lines of Zabaleta. Zabaleta. Right? Hmm. Hmm. Watch me be completely wrong when these <laughs> City fans hate him. <laughs> uh, maybe Michael Richards. I think you went a bit too far back for that. Michael Richards can't have left do that. Do you want to forfeit? Yeah, I will forfeit, yeah. The answer is... Martin Demichelis. He oh, was the right. first Just player. about to say Martin Demichelis. Ah. <laughs> but according to Wikipedia anyway, so if, if I am wrong, you can blame. Don't, don't yeah, shoot the messenger on that one. I'm not sure you can call him a cult hero, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, some some <laughs> City fans out who I know do. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, did, he did a great job in that Pellegrini title season. He was, in getting, he was excellent in getting the City over the line. He got a lot of stick early on in his career. He was brilliantly terrible. In sort of his first, yeah, he was <laughs> a few times, but at City, he, but he came good. He did. He was terrific at the end. When did Michael Richards leave City? I feel like that was about four, five years ago, five six. Because he was a Villa. He, he went straight to Villa, didn't he? Twenty fifteen. Fifteen. Mm. It was only a year out. 
feels like a long, long time ago, that. It was four years ago. Good, good maths, do you? I know. <laughs> I'm losing my memory, but my adding up's still good. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to move on. And one player that I did want to mention, who is obviously meant already confirmed that he'll be leaving then the next year, is David Silva, a City legend, a Premier League legend, probably one of the all-time greats, definitely amongst the very best. Stu, what is what's your fondest David Silva memory, and is he the best City player you've 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 seen? He's in terms of consistency of performance. I think he's possibly the best Premier League player I've seen. And there's a lot of brilliant Premier League players. But he just... You rarely see him have a bat. I mean, he's probably had more ordinary games this season than he has in his entire City career. Uh, But even this season, at the start of the season, he was absolutely magnificent. Um, And towards the end of the season, he put in some really big performances as well. Um... But you see, you're gonna you're gonna make me cry now because I'm just gonna miss watching Silver play so much. He's just one of those players that that makes it worth going to a football match. You know, um, his touch, his balance, his poise, his vision, uh, his passing. There's just so much to admire about him, uh, and his influence on City has been immense. You know, he considered it was 2010, um, and I still remember. Um, when he first came, the, the and, and the, there's a certain breed of City fan who went through all the dark years and always think that something's going to go wrong and the decisions the club make are going to go wrong. And whenever they signed a new player in that era, it was uh, no, not for me. He's uh, he's too slight. He's not got the build for the Premier League. He hasn't got this. He hasn't got that. And they, they were saying that about Silver. It was, you know, you think, well, just give the lad a chance, you know, because he did look a little bit slight when he first came. He got knocked off the ball a couple of times in the opening games. He found it a bit quick. And then he, I, I still remember, went to Blackpool on a particularly foul autumn day. It was October. Um, and he was really gloomy at Bloomfield Road. And uh, he just lit the place up. He, he played really well. He scored, he scored a, a messy style goal. I don't know if you remember it, where he couple of side steps and shimmies and feints and then just planted it in the corner and from that moment on he's barely I do the player ratings on a regular basis and he's barely I don't think he's dropped below a 7 maybe, maybe on a handful of rarely dropped below, <laughs> below a 10 well yeah yeah yeah. but I, I must uh, yeah no, I, I get the see this lot take the, take the mic out of me because I I absolutely I'm not a City fan but I, I love watching him play and my my heart leaps when I get to the game and he's on the team sheet because you know that, that's the kind of player he is um, so he'll He'll be, he'll be. I don't miss him in the mix zone because he never stops and talks to us. He's a, you know, he's a bit of a, uh, you know, the way Paul Scholes was at United. He, used to, he did, did his business on the pitch, and then didn't want to talk to the media. Obviously, since he's retired, he's never stopped talking to the media. But, um, but Silver just got his job done. Very quiet, unassuming. Um, he, is, he is one of the leaders at the club, but simply through example, what he does on the field. Um, and he's going to be sorely missed. Hmm. Sai, where would you play Silva in terms of some of City's best players of, of this last decade at least? Silva's a funny one for me because I think if you're talking Premier League, he's one of the most elegant and graceful players 
to have sort of to have been in the league and I think that is how he will be remembered from a league point of view but from a club point of view I think his his sort of grit and fight and things like that will be sort of remembered as as much he's not scored that many goals but um, it was in 2014 when they were going for the title and they I think they'd gone out of the FA Cup unexpectedly and they'd gone out of the Champions League and this quadruple dream was shattered and they went up to Hull and Vincent Company got sent off after 10 minutes or something and it was like City are going all you know mm. Uh, on the way out but he, he stepped up and he stepped up in a really important moment and won them that that game and they went on to win the title in quite dramatic circumstances and then when you think back to 17-18 and the circumstances around his, his baby being born prematurely and you, you just cannot imagine what it must have been like to be in that situation and then just flying back to Manchester and putting in a, a 9 out of 10 performance every every week um, while that was going on and I think thing, the, the character that he has shown um, will make him remembered by City fans um, as much as the sort of the magic that he produces on the pitch it's well said I, I, I think I mean I, I remember talking to a, a City fan down at Bournemouth a couple of a couple of seasons ago um, stayed overnight and went for a drink after the game and a City fan said to me that that Yaya Torre was the greatest City player he'd ever seen but David Silva was the best City player I had to think about that for a minute but then, <laughs> then I got what he meant you know Yaya was a man who on a big occasion would step up and, and win you the game with, with a piece of you know a storming run and a fantastic goal but when it came to winning your games week in week out David Silva you know, he was the man who, who kept it all. You know, yeah, yeah. If you're playing, if you're playing somebody like Hull or, or Stoke or somebody, you know, in, in a humdrum league game, yeah, yeah, would sometimes trundle through games. You know, he'd be waiting for his moment. But Silver was always at it, no matter who the opposition. Always at it, always at a consistent level. And I think that was that was perhaps his. Uh, that that statement the city fan made to me was uh, was was absolutely spot on. Yeah, and he obviously does have still one more season to play. I mean, do you think he's he's going to play a similar role to this year, or do you think Pep might use this year with David Silva to maybe try and almost integrate for, maybe Phil Foden into that position he normally fills? Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. I mean, I know I know for a fact that they are not planning to replace Silver next summer. They're not going to be looking for a player um, because they've got Foden coming through, as you say. They've also got Bernardo, who has long been earmarked as the, the successor uh, in terms of playing that number 10 role. Um, I mean, last summer Pep was saying that David Silva won't play as much this se- this coming season. <laughs> well, that I mean, you can imagine, you get the feeling that he said that as much for David Silva's Benefit as he did as he did as a uh, to try and soften the blow for City fans and David Silver hearing that has obviously gone out and thought Do you reckon because <laughs> he he was he was brilliant in the first part of the season and I think that was Silver reacting to that 
well, uh, you know, we'll see. You're gonna have to drop me, and uh, if I if I'm difficult to drop him, um, so I, th- I think. Foden may have played more games last season if it hadn't been for the fact that Silva reacted in the way he did. But yeah, I think that the plan this season, we saw toward the end of the season Foden being picked to start big games, which hadn't happened before. Um, a lot of responsibility on his shoulders, uh, which perhaps was an indication that Pep sees him as being ready now to move into that uh, into that role. <laughs> Uh, on a more on a more regular basis, so yeah, I, th- I think we'll see less of silver this season. Um, but we thought that last season, mm. and he, he proved us all wrong. I mean, he's, he's still got the ability to to do so. And it, with it be, you know, once you can see the the finished post in sight, I don't think Silver's one of those players who start winding down. I think it'd be the opposite. He'll want to go out. Uh, with a season to remember he'll want to go out with a Champions League medal um, he'll want to go out with, with doing something spectacular again in the in the, in the the domestic campaign so uh, I, I, I still think we'll see big things from David Silva but we'll also see more of Foden yeah it would be a fitting end to his City career wouldn't it ending off with a with a Champions League to complete that the yeah. set of trophies I remember asking him in a press conference about the Champions League um, and it was when he'd only recently started speaking English in press conferences and he he said uh, that he dreamt every night of winning the Champions League and he might have been taking the mick Um, it might have been a joke that I didn't get but it it was just an answer that you don't often get at press conferences such such as that when the answers tend to be a bit more more generic but it really felt like he's won everything you you can win with Spain and he's won almost everything you can at club level I think he he would take a lot from winning the Champions League in his final year you know he's made a big thing out of 10 years at City he signed his contract extension and he'll have a full decade as a City player so it, it would be the best possible way and he was really the most important player in getting them through the group stage last year because he just popped up with goals when the team was struggling in the uh, in the game so I think he'll have a major part to play again mm. feels like it's set up it's written in the stars it it's is. destiny we'll, we'll crop this clip out in a year's time I'll bookmark it when we get back yeah mm. it makes a good story even if it doesn't come true yeah but I mean, one. I mean, moving on. I mean, we're gonna talk about. I mean, we want to go back to squad numbers and all that. Gabriel, Gabriel Jesus, squad number number nine. Kind of, if you're reading a bit too much into it, like I do, then kind of in, suggests that he's gonna have more of a focal point in the city team next year. Well, that'll be down Effect, to him. Uh, I, I don't think. I don't think just giving him the number nine is a way of saying you're going to play more. I think it's a way of saying we value you. Uh, we know you didn't play an awful lot last season, but that's simply because Aguero was was outstanding. Um, but we do value you. We do see you as the future. I mean, Aguero's got a couple of years left, maybe uh, on his on his current contract. Um, and Jesus is seen as a long term successor. I think it's just a way of, of letting him know that. Um, I mean, it's an interesting one because he had that 33 for, uh, you know, he, he did a bit of a religious significance to it. You know, he's a, he's a religious man. And he got the 33 when he was at Palmeiras and it was because that's the age at which Jesus died. Um, 
so it was suggested to him, I believe, by a, a press officer at, at Palmeiras, and he, he sort of embraced that. But I believe that City, he's, he's obviously at the Copper America, but I believe that City rang him up and said, look, we're thinking of, we've got this new kit coming out, uh, we haven't got a number nine, uh, we'd love you to have the number nine shirt. Uh, what do you think? And I, I believe that he, he was all for it. He, he liked the idea. He wears number nine for Brazil as well. So it's uh, in terms of of his personal branding, which is something that we, we have to talk about with footballers these days. Um, and journalists, of course. Uh, <laughs> What's your numbers, Stu? What's my number? Yeah. <laughs> that'd, be, uh, that'd be telling. 42. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he... He's embraced it, and I think it's just it's it's a way of, of City saying to him, "We love you. We want you to. You know, you might not have played as much, but but you are very much part of what what we're trying to do here. Um, don't be disillusioned by what happened last season, and uh, you'll be wearing the nine in the future." Do you do you think he is the long term answer to Sergio Aguero? I mean, he was a weird one last year because he had this really good goal record. But the goals seem to come in almost like in cup competitions. But in the Premier League, he did have a, I think, a bit of a drought in the Premier League, but done well in cups. So, is there still que- there's still question marks there for you, or do you think City maybe will still look to add another one after Sergio? I think there's always question marks when you've got a young player. Um, you know, he's, he's not. For, people forget this. People, you know, people judge him against Aguero. Aguero wasn't even at City when he was that age. You know, he was what was he twenty three when he when he came to City, maybe a little younger. Mm. Um, Jesus has, has started a lot earlier in terms of. I mean, I know Aguero did big things at Atletico uh, and, and in Argentina before that, but um, Jesus has has played in World Cups. Um, He's won the Brazilian title. He's he's won. He's helped City to win consecutive titles, um, and he's still still only a young player. He's still learning the game, um, and I, I think people are quick to judge him. Last season was difficult. He's clearly a confidence player. A lot of strikers are. Um, you know, you need a run at it, and it, simply because Aguero was so good and couldn't be left out, he didn't really get that run. You know. Um, he did just after Christmas. He had a really good run in the team. He had a good run in the team. He was scoring goals, um, and you kind of you kind of think he needs that again. He needs that that more and more. But a lot of it's going to be down down to luck, you know. If Aguero picks up an injury, that kind of thing. But uh, you know, going into the season again, Aguero is a number one. But I I think he's got all the ability in the world, and I I think we've only scratched the surface of it. When he first came, we were seeing it. You know, we were all raving about him and that first half dozen matches. Then he got an injury, and he's he's found it difficult coming back ever since then. You know, because Aguero has upped his game. Um, mm. And I think he's found it tough, uh, knowing that every time he steps into the the team, he's being compared to Aguero. It might be one of those that when Aguero goes, he'll truly blossom. We've seen that with Fernandinho did that when Yaya Torre left. He was a good player, but he's become a great player since Yaya Torre left. Um, and it might be that that case with Jesus. That once that the shadow of Aguero is removed from him, he will uh, he'll say, "Well, this is mine now." I've got the number nine shirt. I'm the main man, and he'll be get more games, and he'll he'll take it on from there. I mean, obviously Aguero will be replaced 
I, I can't see them not doing that because you, you you can't you know you need two strikers. But um, but by that point, Jesus will be the man in possession. Yeah, similar sentiments for you, Sai. Yeah, I I think it's easy to forget the human side of these footballers and um, to, like shirt numbers. There's few more iconic shirts than the Brazil number nine. He got that at a very young age. Got a lot of criticism last summer at the World Cup when he didn't score and he was in this sort of battle for a shirt with uh, Roberto Firmino and obviously Firmino and being a Liverpool player will have a lot of support and things like that um, so he was a bit hurt by criticism over summer and then for various reasons his family and friends weren't in Manchester with him so you, you forget he's like a young boy who's moved halfway around the world for football and that sort of nice run just after Christmas was after his his family and friends had been over so like Stu said his confidence player belief um, and I thought it was you know a big call to start him in the FA Cup final and he responded very well and he's done very well at the Copa America as the number nine for Brazil so hopefully that will give him confidence the Brazil coach seems to think he's got that sort of mojo back that he first had when he when he started um, at City so it, it, it is tough because you're compared to Aguero and Aguero was kind of taken what Jesus did so well and added that to his already sort of predatory finishing um, but we have seen that when they're both in form there's room for both of them in the team so if Jesus is as confident and brings what he's had in recent months in time for the new season and I think we could see them playing both together yeah I wrote an article about that I looked it up last season they started two games together um, and the previous season when they started together City was sensational they had that spell uh, where Mendy was playing as a as a, a raiding wing back um, that's 6-0 at Watford they had the 6-0 at Watford followed by the 4-0 at Feyenoord and the 5-0 against Liverpool yeah you know and those two were just scoring goals for fun in that period then of course Mendy got injured they didn't have a left back who could carry on playing that role so Pep switched the system uh, back to the 4-3-3 and uh, and that meant that one of them missed out and it was Jesus because Aguero was the, was the better of the two at that point um, but people people forget that 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 three five two with those two up front was absolutely devastating uh, in that in that season. Just didn't get to to play it very often. Um, so people are looking back on last season, how good City were, uh, and the season before. Some would argue that their best lineup is that three five two. You know, and if Pep Pep adds that as an option. Uh, an attacking option to to what what he had last season, you know, the City are going to be even more from the double. Yeah, we shall he see. Could play on the left as well, I suppose, in a four three three. So, if he's in form, then he gives you many options. We'll see. Moving we into will. Next, next season. Thank you, Stu. Thank you, Sai. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do so. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do via the Man City MEN Twitter account or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, we'll see you soon.